SAFM leading the conversation. As we lead the conversation, we invite you to join us uh, both on uh, SAFM Radio at SAFM Radio on Twitter and Facebook, and you can hashtag SAFM Lifetime Live. Uh, also, uh, your WhatsApp voice notes on 0614104107, and SMSs at uh, charged at 150 per SMS at 40938. And uh, joining me right now as we talk about uh, this much anticipated book, um, I mean September has been a long time coming um, to have these conversations and uh, we're we talking about I'm an African, I want to go home um, stories of becoming and belonging in, in South Africa's uh, great metropolis if you can just please switch off that mic um, he was busy <laughs> now we are live on air. everything you do everyone else can hear it um, and, and thank you so much uh, once again for tuning in Tanya uh, Pampaloni is joining me as co-editor and uh, good afternoon and welcome. Thank you so much for coming through. Thanks so much for having now us. Now you can open the mic. So <laughs> Sibo, <laughs> contributed to the book. Uh, welcome and thank you so much uh, for joining us. Thank you for having us. All right, uh, let's talk about, uh, I guess I'll ask um, this from Tanya. W- what motivated the book? Uh, I mean, what exactly did you want to tell of the story? Yeah, thanks. So so Lauren Landau, who heads up the African Center for Migration and Society over at WITS, um, and I had been talking about um, stories of, of, of xenophobia mm-hmm. um, and migrancy and you know how how those stories could be better told, and it was a conversation we had had for many years. And there was there's a series um, over in the U.S. called Voice of Witness, which actually does these oral histories very well. Mm-hmm. And what what they do is they they take down oral histories, but they turn them into stories. So they turn mm-hmm. them into um, narratives. So it's not just kind of raw copy of somebody talking; it's an actual narrative. Um, so so we had been wanting to do that for for a long time, and you know the opportunity finally came along. I was at the Mail and Guardian at the time um, that we came up with the idea and um, Lauren was over at Vitz and we just decided, okay, let's collaborate on this. But we knew mm. also that it was important to not just tell um, uh, stories of, you know, xenophobia and, yeah. you know, we, we wanted it to be, you know, more about um, finding the stories about migrants mm. and South Africans and how they exist together. Um, so there's 13 oral histories in the collection um, and it's half South Africans and half migrants. Uh-huh. So how do you balance, uh, I mean, the, the telling of the story without fueling tensions and, and creating once again xenophobic uh, tendencies? Yeah, so I mean, that's why we wanted we were very much interested in the oral history format mm-hmm. um and then and then having um people like Guanela who has um you know who's who's at the Mail and Guardian who's been a, a journalist for many years we had journalists academics researchers collaborate with narrators who told their stories mm-hmm. um and it was a matter of just letting people talk and while many people are angry, it's almost like you l- let them speak and have their say, and you can, you know, you 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 see their points quite yeah. in 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 depth. Um, and that was the idea. It was to, you know, kind of quote unquote complicate the narrative of like the victim of the of the migrant, um, and then the angry South African attacking the migrants because that's what we tend to do in the media, mm-hmm. um, and that's what we tend to promote. So. 
It was a, it was yeah. So that's what we tried tried to do is to let people speak. And Guanelle, which part um, did you contribute? And uh, were there any moments where you thought, "Gosh, I I did not connect to that" uh, when it comes to telling this story? You know, it's funny that you say that because uh, <clears throat> I think the person that I had to deal with was probably more difficult than most. Um, the person I had to speak to was uh, a man called Manyatel Amvelase, who. Mm. If you know a little bit about the history of migrant labor in Joburg, he's uh, we doing basically oh, at wow. um, at JP JP Men's Hostel. So mm. it was difficult more than most because I think he had a lot to kind of protect. Mm. You know, he's kind of like in a leadership position amongst a group of possibly a thousand or more men. Some w- who are basically seen as one of the sectors where xenophobia emanates from you know because you've got issues of migrant labor you've got issues of unsavory living conditions mm-hmm. uh in jp town you've got issues of gentrification all of these things that kind of provide a cocktail so he kind of has to be responsible for the behavior of people that he may or may not be acquainted with because mm-hmm. hostels although they are governed by some laws but in some cases they are law unto themselves mm-hmm. So there was a lot of like negotiating, allegorical speak, and I mean he's also he's also a uinyang a food. Mm, so oh, whoa. there's a lot that he says uh, metaphorically, and there's a lot that he can't say. So it was mm. a lot of negotiating, him getting to trust me, and me getting to be comfortable with the fact that he might say things that are inflammatory, and he'll trust me to kind of couch them in some kind of yeah. way. So, so, so the journalist in you, how much editing did you have to do in telling that story? And what are some of the elements where you thought, gosh, this, mm. I, I, I can't put it out like this. <laughs> well, well, I think... Because that will never get to read, right? <laughs> sure. I mean, my thing wasn't to censor him, you know, as such, because I think the exercise is to kind of allow him a platform to say everything that he's been thinking about saying and giving him almost unlimited uh, room to say that. So it mm. was a lot of me sitting there, in some cases without a recorder, you know, just kind of allowing myself to be invisible in some sense. But I think he said a lot of things which could be seen as justifications for xenophobia, mm. but in the way that he put them, because of all this responsibility that ultimately falls on his shoulders, he was able to make them seem and at the risk of saying something off here making them seem reasonable Mm, mm. you know like an example is that you know a lot one of the tensions is obviously in the industry that happens in 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 these areas and uh one of the things that he said was that you know people feel justified attacking houses of prostitution, for example. You know, it's kind of those nuances that kind of bring it closer to people's everyday experiences Mm. rather than the single narrative of xenophobia in this country. All right, we have to pay the bills when we return. We continue this conversation. And uh, these are stories uh, also of newcomers uh, from neighboring countries and from as far uh, afield as Pakistan and Rwanda uh, seeking secure future in in those very um, promises. Uh, Do they find them when they get here? We continue with the conversation straight after this.
at SAFM Radio and at Positive GP on Twitter. And also taking your calls uh, on 0891-104-207. And uh, we also welcome your WhatsApp voice notes on 0614-104-107. Talking about uh, a book that's uh, much awaited uh, and, and the launch is sometime now in September. I'll get to hear the date um, soon. I want to go home forever. These are stories of becoming and belonging in South Africa's great metropolis. Um, and what what is that like? Um, story told from uh, people who live their everyday life um, with uh, the experience of uh, xenophobia. And joining me in studio is uh, Tanya um, Pampaloni. I'm trying so hard not to causalize the surname, um, but he hasn't frowned. So. <laughs> and also Kwanele Sosibo, uh, who contributed uh, to the book. And Tanya is a co-editor of, of the book. Now, I mean, it must be very difficult, Tanya, to um, try and and listen and as you tell the story uh, that you don't stifle the creativity you don't censor um, you're able to tell it as is but at the same time not trying to filter through hate speech and things that could necessarily you know make the tensions even worse yeah, I mean, you know, because it's in book format and because it's a longer form, it's not like a, you know, pull quote. Mm. It, 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 I suppose it softens it because people, once they start talking, they actually, you know, they do better explain themselves. Mm. Um, yeah. Did you get, give them a chance to go back and reread or read to them? This is what you said. Are you okay with this? Yeah, so part of the process was... This is there. We used it was a it was limiting as a as a as a writer. Um, mm-hmm. I did one of the one of the stories, which was about uh, um, a man from Ethiopia, and um, um, I mean, Quanella will also tell you as a writer, it's you had to give over your um, part of your um, your process to the narrator because it's their mm-hmm. story. So you couldn't insert your own words. So it was a matter of taking down their words, not changing their words, mm. but for, forming it into a story. Um, and like any story, you know, there, there's a lot that ends up on the cutting room floor. Um, and yes, part of the process was they are telling their story and they signed off on, on whatever appeared in this book the narrators have signed off on. Uh, Gwanele, in our response to um, issues of xenophobia in this country, um, either it's uh, from a government uh, po- point of view or from a communal point of view, do you believe that we understand uh, the issues on the ground or are we just scratching the surface? You mean <clears throat> as the general population mm-hmm. or all the parties, the authorities? All the, the, all the parties, um, including general population. Um, because and, and I'm asking this, making reference to what happened in the past month, mm. uh, where we had those expired foods um, uh, stuffs, and uh, the immediate point of attack, the sure. immediate point of response mm. would be, um, you know, going for Somalians. Sure. <clears throat> well, I think um, as time goes on, I think there's probably even less of an understanding of each particular sector's point of view. Um, you know. One of the things that was interesting to me through this process was kind of hearing Manya Taylor speak of attempts that people do make to kind of close these gaps because Mm. with each incident, with each outburst, people become more defensive 
and people retreat back into their positions on 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 each side you know um but i think what he said to me which was i think in some ways a veiled threat was that those who make an attempt to come to us their businesses usually survive when incidents like these flare up mm. i took that to mean you know um probably foreign businessmen must take two steps forward and they'll take one step toward them that mm. kind of a heavy-handed forced forced exchange but i think in those moments um however they happen people do kind of uh reach out to each other but i don't think they happen as under the scope of television or in the media and so forth but i think people on the ground do make attempts to make their lives more livable i guess so what are some of the chapters uh, covered um and, and is it just a, a tell story uh, throughout what is the format yeah so so it's a collection of of 13 oral histories like i said half half of them are, are south african and half of them are, are foreigners um and there was some some fantastic stories. So you know, from the foreigners, um, a, a guy named Azam Khan, who's from Pakistan, um, mm-hmm. who ends up marrying a, a Zulu woman, um, and he lives out in Pretoria. There was um, a woman named Tombi Tes, who lives in Alex, and she's a community leader, and her family has lived there for generations. Mm-hmm. Just an amazing story of kind of what what it was like to grow up there. Um, but you know, there's a Mozambican gardener um, who, you know, kind of like the every man, you know, who who's coming into South Africa and he tells his story. Um, the one that was there's one piece that was um, really heart heartbreaking, which opens up the collection. Um, Nombuyiselo Ntalani. Mm-hmm. She she tells the story of her son, who you may remember the young boy in 2015 who was shot and killed in Snake mm. Park. Um, Elliot Moleba. He went. Um, he was. He's. He's. Um, he works in theater. He went out to find the family, and he ended up stumbling on her her doorstep, and she just told her story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's heartbreaking to hear. And um, um, of course, and mm-hmm. what is you know you you hear the story how her how her son was shot and killed by somali shopkeepers and yet she's kind of found faith in god and she's come through that process and through her faith um but you can see how not only did the media completely drop that story mm. um but something funny happened in the court system there um and it was never resolved and our our role was not in this book to resolve to dig it. it out yeah but it is something that 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 does need a resolution um but some of you know it's like that story was really heartbreaking and then we've got um uh Chichi from Nigeria who was like a hairdresser in Pretoria who tells her story about like she leaves Nigeria cuz she was in love and then then this relationship went bad and then she came here and then she ends up getting married and so there you know the stories kind of go in mm. and out of 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 tension and interest i mean azam from uh pakistan is like he tells you know these great stories of marrying this like zulu woman and how like the her uncle like comes over and tries to stab him the first time they meet and now they're like best friends and you know it's 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 so there's 
there's there's like there's 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 lot shades I was of dark and light that, uh, you yeah. know there are some hopeful stories as well that it's not all uh, doom gloom no. uh, but does this uh, perhaps does this book help um to begin a conversation of social cohesion and and maybe reflecting is this a, a south african uh, phenomena is this an african phenomena can we benchmark uh, from other countries uh, well i think you know um, as, as Tanya is saying, I think these, these are stories of people moving through the world, not necessarily being trapped to death in South Africa. Mm. Um, and I think what this book does is maybe, as opposed to kind of looking at a big picture from afar, it kind of zooms in just to kind of maybe broaden our understanding to give us the tools to have that conversation. And stop saying that I'm going to Africa when you are South African. All right, so here's the news headlines with Tutsile Saku. Being an African, it's not just about your location, it's about your roots. Call Griselda now, 0891-104-207. There's always surprises at Lifetime Live with uh, Griselda Dudumash. And thank you so much uh, for tuning in. And uh, we invite you to connect in the conversation, uh, be it on Twitter or Facebook at SAFM Radio. And uh, Lifetime Live is our hashtag. And you can also join uh, the conversation by sending us an SMS at 40938, charged at 150. And interesting um, that, Tanya, uh, when I look at uh, some of these stories and, and just connecting to what's happening in the globe, uh, I, I love the title that I want to go home forever. Uh, we have a sense that people leave their homes just cause and they just want to be in South Africa. And if given choices, I'm sure they would want to go back home. Yeah, and that's exactly right. I mean, we took the the title of the book from actually a woman. Everyone uses uses their own name in the book except for one woman. Uh, actually, it's two people, and one of the women is a is is a prostitute, and she 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 tells her story um, under a pseudonym, and she's the one who says. You know, when I leave this place, I want to go home forever. Wow. Um, and she was born in Zimbabwe, but can't have citizenship there. But her father's Malawian, so she can go there. I mean, it's very complicated. She's Africa got, is complicated. Yeah, she's got no papers. I mean, she's she's got no papers, but mm. she's the one who said, "I want to go home forever." And that kind of resonated for all for all of us as like narrators and contributors, and mm. and 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 and, as, and Lauren and I as co-editors, because it was like. Even the South Africans, that's what they're trying to find is their home. I mean. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, I think I, I think the hostile experience speaks to that, you know. Um, a lot of those people don't consider hostels their home. Mm. And they're also there um, as a form of economic migrancy. That's it. And they dream of better lives. They come that's to Joburg to seek for. them. They don't find them in some cases, most cases. Mm. So we are all migrants in a sense. And I think that's what this book highlights. So for people who are listening to this conversation and wondering, um, I've got a question. Uh, if I buy a copy, what is it that you want me to take with me? Um, well, that's anonymous, by the way. I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, I suppose. I mean, for me, from from my side, and and Guanelle might have some some other aspect, but for me, as uh, one of the editors, I I just wanted to deepen deepen the narrative to to, to complicate it to sh- to show there are so many sides to this, and and that people are people, and um and that 
it's such a great story of Johannesburg when, when read together. So you have the individual stories, and then you have the story of Johannesburg, this complicated city. And, you know, that we're all just trying to, you know, survive. Um, and, and, and that it's not so simple as get the foreigners out. It's mm-hmm. a much more complicated story, and it's not so simple as the South Africans were bad to attack. All right, so we've got an SMS. The so-called problem with South Africa is ignorance. Um, our people of not knowing, uh, ignorance of our people of not knowing who they are and why are we so divided uh, as an African nation. History is a weapon. Uh, we need to interrogate our story. Uh, we are African. We have we are African borders that divide us, uh, and uh, they were not our creation uh, forward to African unity and. The that's from Kosima Gadul. Does perhaps this conversation begin uh, to just knit this together, connect the dots? That sure. is African people. I mean, uh, you know, the notion of just saying I'm going to Africa, being South African. That means as South Africans, we're not connected uh, to the rest of Africa. Um, yeah, so I think obviously for me, stories done right, uh, told well, they build compassion, so they they kind of collapse mm. whatever borders we may have, be they physical borders, political borders, ideological borders. I mean, dealing with someone like Bob Velase, um, he obviously comes from a particular political tradition, of course. Which I'm, I'm, he was a member of the IFP at some uh-huh. point, so you know I can say that for sure. So even for me, just talking to him on a one-on-one basis and being in his space uh i kind of had to let my guard down and, yeah you know and and also change uh, maybe block your narrative because it's very easy that is you listen sure. uh, to then say but hang on that shouldn't be your thought <laughs> process that shouldn't be but then you have to go back to how this person uh-huh. is socialized and understand where they're coming from all right uh, let's uh, go to Devin and speak to mr tumba uh, who is from congo good afternoon sir Hi, good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon to your guests as well. Sure. I'm from the DRC, and uh, I'm completely against the narrative uh, when people call and say South African are bad people. No, they're not. They're just reacting humanly like everywhere else. The Chinese hate foreigners, the French, the British, the American, everyone hates foreigners. It's just the clash of different, I would say, uh, I wouldn't say civilization, but different culture or just meeting strange people coming in and that creates some hostility. Mm. But the reaction we're getting here, I sometimes understand it's a normal reaction. So I will hope to go home one day for, for good luck. But the news I'm getting from home are just deceiving. The elections are coming now in December, but there's still manipulation and fighting going on in the East. So it's such a, you know, being a foreigner is a tough thing. You have to be tough to take it. <laughs> That's my advice to anyone who wants to travel. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Tumba. Uh, One of the things you need to appreciate, though, with the rest of uh, our our continent is that other African states have, in a way, socialized their citizens um, to be well-traveled. South Africans, uh, some of them don't even know Peter Marisbeck uh, from Tembisa. So will will this begin even that conversation that uh, we interconnected somehow? You know, I, I, we were talking earlier about that kind of global sphere of <clears throat> of migration and, and and migration as a global issue, and mm-hmm. how um, 
you know, I mean, particularly we're hearing from the U.S. and Europe about their pushback on 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 migration. Mm. You know, it really is a global issue. So, you know, and I think people who are foreigners who leave their countries, who leave their kind of families and their safe places are different from the people who stay in who stay and don't go and travel and see the world. So. I think, you know, you see a different kind of, quote unquote, foreigner um, who who travels in whatever country you are that you're from. I think those possibly are, are a different sort. Sure. So when is the launch going to be? Where do we find ourselves copies of I Want to Go Home Forever? Thanks. Um, we just we I was uh, at Exclusive Books <laughs> earlier this week and it's it's in the shops. So that was very exciting. Um, we're going to be launching on Thursday at Constitution Hill at the Women's Jail, 6 p.m. Um, as part of a UNESCO conference with the African Center uh, for Migration and Society at WITS. Um, and um, uh, so we'll be having a one, one launch at, at, at there, and um, we hope it's in your local bookstore mm. <laughs> and um, on, on, on Amazon and uh, all <laughs> other places, we hope. <laughs> yeah. Any possibility of leaks? It seems like uh, the norm these days that you write a book and you leak it. <laughs> it's like, wow. <laughs> You mean on? You mean online? Well, we yeah. have. I mean, look, we we there is a PDF format that's available, mm-hmm. um, and we have we do have a website. I want to go home forever um, dot com, which um, has some of the expert excerpts from the book, and also the, where you can buy the book. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much uh, to both of you for coming through, and uh, looking forward uh, to reading about Babu. To me, he seems like the staring of the story, (laughs) the entire book. Thank you. Thank you very much uh, for joining us. Uh, That's uh, Tanya uh, Pampolani, and uh, also who's co-editor, and uh, also Kwanele Sosibo, who contributed to the book. And the book title is I Want to Go Home Forever. And these are stories of uh, becoming and belonging in South Africa's great metropolis. And that's where we end this conversation coming up next. Let's look at uh, what NGOs are doing um, to enable those with disabilities.